We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Mizzou Nation? I'm your host of Making Mizzou, Martin Rucker, with my co-host, Tommy Saunders, sponsored by 360 Vodka. And today, we got a special guest. Very rarely, very rarely do you get an NFL football player, a collegiate football player, and, Tommy, and a doctor. (laughs) And... A CEO. We got another title too? A doctor and CEO? Mm. Man. Mm. Doctor. Mr. Mizzou himself. Wow. Bradley Eckware? Eckwoo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The man. Man, what's up? How you doing, man? Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm doing well, man. You know, based out of Omaha, Nebraska now, uh, as you alluded to, working really hard, uh, playing really hard. Really, I mean, the name of the game right now is just maintaining, you know, mm-hmm. I tell people I'm doing my best to be my very best. That's, that's okay. What, that's what <laughs> that's I'm all doing. you can do, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what's up, man. So tell us what you think about uh, this Tiger football team we got out on the field this year. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been hard to watch, you know, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, you know, first couple games, you're like, oh, okay, you got some kinks. Uh, okay, we're in the games. Uh, it's coming down to a few plays, maybe even late in the game. Uh, but as of late, man, I think I I, I saw something switch uh, late in the the fourth, I would say, for the, the Boston College game. And then I want to say Tennessee game was right after that. And then now with this stuff that they just put up, it's it's obvious. I mean, the numbers don't lie right now. It's it's just defensive integrity right now. Mm-hmm. You don't have guys flying to the ball. If they are, they're flying and bouncing off. Um, you know, D line play, linebacker play, and I would even say uh, secondary play. You know, being a hundred and twenty something in the nation in total defensive categories. I mean, that's not going to get you much, much. But uh, you know, we're all offensive guys, so I'm sitting here watching the plays and watching the wideouts. Right. Who's who's got the juice? Who can yep. do something right. ball and all that? And uh, really, the biggest thing I've seen, man, is that I don't feel like Connor has. Uh, I'll call it like a safety blanket. Sure, you know, like he doesn't have a go-to. 
you know, you you don't have J Mac that way. You don't have Albert O that way. Mm-hmm. You don't have uh, <laughs> Denver Bronco. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have guys that you know, Jay, just th- just throw it my way, and you know, I'm winning that 50 50 ball. So, <clears throat> you know, obviously, there's some great things happening offensively. Beatty is is becoming a a, a big time superstar. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only in Mizzou but in the league. Uh, so you see teams game planning for him, but you just don't have anything behind it to to back it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it real tough when you don't have a compliment <clears throat> there. And everything's on his shoulders. It's been amazing to watch him do it both out of the backfield and in the backfield, meaning receiving and rushing. Um, definitely been a bright spot this year. A lot of people, when they think back to the good days of Mizzou, at least as of recent, and they think about this group that you got here on this podcast, everybody thinks about 07, 06, 07 the years when the ship started to turn around. There was 03, there was 04, <laughs> and there was 05 before <laughs> the years. <laughs> Do you see any similarities or is there anything that reminds you of those teams uh, that you see in this team that's on the field currently? Yeah, every once in a while you see some flashes of, uh, <clears throat> you know, like a unit that will play well or, or like a guy that uh, uh, is kind of, being above and beyond trying to do what he can do to to change the course or maybe within his his own meeting room right. um which then you know impacts the the larger offense or defense or something like that mm-hmm. uh, you had decent linebacker play i'll just kind of group all them together um obviously running back has been a, a big spot um but then you know some of the differences are you i mean again you don't have like that that feature wide out or that feature uh tight end that's that's getting a lot of love um, and, you know, we were lucky, you know, if, if you, you go all the way back, you had a, a quarterback by the name of Brad Smith. Right. Um, you know, you have some 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 uh, draft picks, you know, scattered here and there on both sides of the ball. Right. And I think that momentum, even though we weren't winning a bunch of games or, or going to conference championships or big time bowls, that momentum led to some of the recruiting. And so right. I'll end with with that. The, uh, the similarities, you know, at least on paper. Drink is showing that he can attract some guys and, you know, they're nationally ranked uh, <laughs> uh, recruiting classes that, you know, ha- they have to show up. You know, that's that's the next thing. I think time will tell on like these two and three stars like myself, like Sean Weatherspoon. And I'm not in the category with, with Spoon, but like I'm saying, like two and three star guys that show up on campus that were decent where they came from mm-hmm. and they elevate to a level of spoon nario uh you know on and on and on like how many of those guys are showing michael sams uh you know coney ely's stuff like that where they are they are big time producers on the field that's what i think will help not only mizzou but it'll help uh drink along the way too yeah I, mean, uh-huh. go ahead. Bye, bye. I was just gonna say i mean back in the early days it took coach pinkle getting his recruits in there his guys in there you know and we used to read the law of the bad apple all the time and the cancer and all this other stuff and so it took some years for him to get established and to get his guys in there to buy in and it's a good point that you raise that being able to recruit is half the battle uh, because you got to be able to get them there and then once you get them there can you elevate their game to where it needs to be and those guys that are the j max the four and five star cats uh, the Blaine Gabberts and those guys, can you get them to perform up to the level that everybody expects them to? Um, those are some of the similarities I thought too. So I thought that was, uh, uh, I just wanted to comment on that. I think it's a great point. 
Um, what do you think on the team that you were a part of was what you just said, Ruck, is so true. How do you get those guys to play at their maximum potential, right? If there are two or three star guys, we've seen five star guys fall off the map, get kicked out of school across the nation. So what did you see those years that you were at Mizzou? What changed from the coaching staff and the players to get everybody to play at their, you know, as close as their full potential as possible? Yeah, two things immediately come to mind. One is, is some of the uh, men, I just call it mental conditioning that that we went through. Um, we we started to get out of our own heads, but then also into our own heads in a way that we were focused to say, this is not okay anymore. <clears throat> you know what what we're doing, losing a, a a BS game to like a K State or an Iowa State, like that's not what we came here to do. And we looked right and we looked left and was like the talent on this team is way too much. And we know we're better than this. We have to start uh, like basically deciding upon it ahead of time before we get there, that when we get to these points in time, it's not like, oh, I hope we win. Or, oh, I hope I hope they throw it to me. And I hope that I catch it. When I get. It, 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 it switched. The, the supplement to that man is a guy by the name of Dr. Coach Pat Ivey. Yes, sir. I think the splash, the cannonball that he had yes, when, sir. He, when he landed, he brought a new edge, I would say, to, uh, you know, summer season and winter conditioning. And a lot, you know, you hear all those corny stories about like one guy looked at another one was like, I'm not I'm going to win this drill or I'm going to like some of that competition was built into um, our conditioning. But then it became like, hey. The last year's last year's price is not this year's price to take a fat Joe, uh, you know, quote. <laughs> like the, the level that you trained at last year is no longer acceptable. So we're going to have level one, two, three, four. You're going to you're going to want to work up and up and your speed and your strength and your agility. It's going to be on full blast for your entire team to see. So you can no longer hide. You can see if somebody's loafing. You can see if somebody's going hard. You can see if somebody is going to challenge me to this or that. Like it, 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 it started to to get into this mode of like, hey, I am big and strong. My mind is telling me I'm big and strong, and my body is big and strong. And now take that same uh, level of like expertise and same level of attention to detail to your football skill. And now all of a sudden you're beating you're beating the brakes off of people, man. You're, you're starting to win. And and be, and show up in conference games and then win conference games. And then, you know, I, I came in with the same class that Rupp did um, that group of seniors. They mess around and made it to the cover of, of Sports Illustrated, man. They, they Number one in the country, you know, coming from an 03 year where we were, you know, so so ending up in like a middle tier bowl game of six or seven or eight wins, whatever we had. Mm-hmm. I mean, it the and then and then took a dip that you know, you said something about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, four or five year. I mean, it we we were left out in the cold. We barely, go to win, bowl game. <laughs> we barely had to win that fifth game. If you yep. if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, and there, exactly were like right. five or six, there were five or six guys that went to the league off that team off, yep. off yep. your class. So sure was. it was a change of mindset and a change in body set, if I can say that. Um, I want to kind of flip it to more specifically about you and how you've taken that mindset and applied it to your life. Uh, I remember whenever I realized you were uh, different and built different than everybody mm. else, mm. we were doing box squats 
okay? And I, you know, pride myself in being strong. So the first week we're doing box squats, max effort. Uh, I max out at uh, 450 and you did 405. And I was like, okay, I'm better than that. I'm stronger than that. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, you're, this is my, this is my big brother. This is my mentor. Like I'm making my way, you know? And uh, the next week you do speed squats. Okay. You know, put the tendo on. How fast can you move as much weight as possible? Okay. I did 225. <laughs> you did 405. <laughs> and I was like, my mind was blown that you moved your max effort of 405 fast. And as I like look back at what you've been able to accomplish, a doctor, a CEO at 36, how you, you, you know, a great um, athlete, a great student, you went to the league, you had all the same opportunities and accomplishments and goals that every student athlete had, but you seemed like you applied it to all areas of your life. And not only did you do that, and we'll get into like the impact that you've made on Mizzou, I want to get into the how, like how did you go about that and what was your mindset from when you got to Mizzou to uh, be where you are today? Like what did that, how did you draw that when you're in school? Yeah, it, it kind of started uh, in high school, man. So I, I came from a, a relatively, I, I, they call them a powerhouse high school uh, in our football program. <clears throat> the, the class before uh, me, they had probably four or five guys go to college to play. And maybe three or four of those were uh, D1. And then in my class, uh, we probably had seven guys sign. And then the class behind me, we had probably six or seven guys, uh, you know, sign. So there were consistently scouts coming in, but they weren't necessarily coming to watch me. OK, so in my mind, I, I would look this way and look this way and kind of kind of track to see who was there. And you look real hard, see what logo it was. And I'm like, all right, cool. Hey, today in practice, it's about to be on. And <clears throat> the more and more that happened in practice, it was like, hey, don't don't take a day off whether or not the logo show up or not. Like it has to be on every day at practice. So I started to look at these little bitty uh, ways that I could start to get uh, like basically competitive edge. How do I get like a little bit better in this area to where I'm one, I keep my spot on the field. And two, like when it comes down to this route or this this blocking assignment or uh, this play, like I, I was the holder, you know, for how many times? Like, how can I how can I find a little bitty task and just rep it and rep it and rep it and find a way to do that? So in high school, I was coming in of like, hey, again, I was two, three star. Maybe I wasn't on anybody's you know for real radar. They were coming to watch my quarterback, my middle linebacker, couple safeties. But then they would be like, man, you know, he's got a frame on him. He can run a little bit. Uh, we ran the, the power option offense. <laughs> we were running the power option. So when we did throw it, it was like we were throwing it that way. So they would send me on those routes. And sh I mean, I caught, you know, seven out of 10 of them, you know. So they were like, hey, he's just a deep threat. He can do it, you know, go and develop him. So showing up in Mizzou, now I'm like, hey, again, I'm in a two or three star. I remember seeing Ruck for the first time. I heard about this corner that we signed, and I heard that he was six three. And in my mind, I was like, well, shit, I can't jump over anybody now. I'm not gonna have the, I'm not gonna have the advantage over. I went right up to Ruck. I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, what's your name? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm T. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, so uh, what? Do you play corner? I'm, I'm running around <laughs> the locker room. 
looking for the tall find the corner. <laughs> so I can like size him up already because I'm like, well, what is he good at? It, it, you know, am I bigger than him? Am I stronger than him? How can I get better than the, the guys even in my own recruiting class? Yeah. And, and it's funny now, but that, that's basically what I did within the, the receiver room uh within the, the offense in general like i tried to find little ways to where like hey coach you know what i run really fast and i go that way and you know i'm, I'm still working on catching the ball and traffic and all that kind of stuff but hey i'm, I'm gonna be in the weight room and i'm gonna get a lot bigger and stronger so that i can also play slot you know i'm not scared to go down there and mess with any linebackers or or set the edge on this rush or or whatever it is i i need to be able to do those little bitty things that do that and so tommy to your point man fast forwarding into life uh, you know, the, the game doesn't necessarily stop. How can you find little comp, uh, competitive edges as a father, as a spouse or partner, as a worker, as a community member, um, in your nonprofit work, in your volunteer work? Like what makes you unique to where, you know what, when it's time to go in and make something happen, you have that confidence and then you have that skill and those reps and that edge to know that you can show up and, and do those kind of things and be successful on a consistent basis. Not the best. I'm not going to be a five-star dad or a five-star CEO or whatever it is, but I'm aiming that way. And, and bet right. when, I, when I find something that's, uh, you know, Eck, you're too slow out of your brakes. All right, well, watch me work and work and work and work and work because in a week or in two weeks or in a month, you're not going to tell me that I'm slow out of my brakes anymore. Because it, I, I'll be damned if, if I see that. So if I get feedback from, uh, my bosses, which is an elected and excuse me, an elected official uh, council. If I get feedback about something that, hey, you, you didn't really come through with that or you didn't communicate that well or whatever. Bet you I got three different ideas for when it happens again and I'm going to do all three of them and we'll blast it out. You know, right. so, so, so what you're saying is, is. Just to get faster, all you had to do was think about it and work really hard. And you never told Tommy that. I, I didn't. I tried to bring him along. You never told Tommy that to be faster than a tight end, all he had to do was think about it and work really hard. Listen, Eck, I Eck thought he was. was you know what? You know what Tom was busy doing? Tom was busy busy working on having the best hands on the on the entire team. <laughs> that joker was catching ping pong balls. Then he was catching golf <laughs> balls. Then he was catching tennis balls. Then he was catching balls. Then he was catching footballs. Then he was catching basketballs. Then he was catching med balls. Then he was catching plyo balls. I said, how many different kind of balls you catching? How, how can you throw it off two walls stop. and catch it? I said, Tom, we got we got to we got to stop this, man. We got to stop this. <laughs> we got to stop this. Hey, so Eck is Eck is my big brother. He's my mentor. He's a guy I go to, and he's gonna coach me up, right? Because he knows me. And he knows what motivates me, right? So if I was doing a ball drill, or whatever, he would like, he would walk up and say, I "Bet you don't catch it." He would just throw me a tennis ball randomly. I'm talking like, <laughs> like on campus, he did it at my house, just randomly. Bet you don't catch it and throw it, hit me in my chest. I'd be like, Eat. it bounce off me, right? But if I was doing something I shouldn't be doing, like push-ups or extra weights or something, whenever I need to work on my speed, it was like he would always just pop up and be like, for what? For what? <laughs> what are you doing that for? You got all this other stuff you need to be working on. Why are you doing that? Why? So funny. That's hilarious. And, uh, Eric, you're the most serious uh Silliest dude, <laughs> the most serious funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> not, 
serious, not serious dude ever. I remember <laughs> being so as a walk on, you know, you're highly critiqued. Okay. And I'm in spring trying to do my best to earn a scholarship. Okay. I'm out there running 150 plays during scrimmages, or whatever. And I'm messing up as, you know, true freshman or, you know, redshirt freshman doing spring ball. And um, every time I'm getting grilled in our video session, you know, remember whenever somebody get in trouble, they would say, charge, you're getting charged <laughs> up by the coach. Okay? <laughs> this man, Eck, the way we sat, I sat in the back and he would sit right in front by the video screen. And so Coach Hill would be like this. He'd be chewing me out. And Eck would just hold up a piece of paper and he'd say, charge on it. And every time he would just be like, ah. He'd be shaking it like that too, yeah. He'd be, he'd be shaking it the more Coach Hill talk. And you know how hard it is when you're getting chewed out and it's something so serious and you just dropped the pass and Coach Hill's yelling at you and you have this man in the back with a charged paper. Oh my god. That's why hey, that's why I was able to keep my emotional stability. It was because of you, Eck, oh and I appreciate that. That's Bro, what that I uh, love so about funny. you. There's there's a good life lesson there, man. Though I mean as as much as you as you receive that critique, as much as like, hey man, it's it's in black and white up there on the screen. Like you didn't get off the ball. You got jammed, right. you didn't get to death, whatever <laughs> it was. Like, hey, that's that's what we see. That's what the public sees in your mind. Did you go up there to the line and be like, okay, on this play, I'm going to let them jam the mess out of me. It's right. going to mess up the timing. I'm going to get three yards when I should get six. And then I'm going to turn around and the ball is going to beat me up in the face. <laughs> and it's going to be a tip ball. And it, did you think about that up front? Did you think about that while you were doing your ball drills or your push-ups or your tendos or whatever? Mm -mm. So it happens. Right. It happens. And it's one play out of the 150 that you had to run that day. Right. right? Okay. So now, yes, get the charge. But a lot of that was to be like, hey, man, this is supposed to happen to you. Right. You're supposed to be a freshman or a red shirt or, you right. know, me as a senior. You know, I did, did that eliminate me from getting charged later on? No. no. People were doing the same thing to me. But, but the cues changed. So you got to keep some like levity about it. But also know that like, hey, we've been there, too. You're just taking your turn. And now fast forward, Tommy, Ruck, you know, fast forward to when you guys were juniors, when you guys were seniors and captains and leaders and how you tried to bring some of the younger cats under your tutelage, you know, you're like, hey, man, you're going to get it from coach later on. But hey, next time, just slap that hand down, you know, do your move yep. like that or release like that. Or you got to dip your shoulder like that. Or, hey, come here afterward. Let me let me let me wrap at you a little bit. You know, yep. right. That's the kind of thing that I mean, again, that's. But Maybe to answer Ruck's question from way back, like that's the kind of stuff that I hope is happening in the locker room to kind of change some of the tide. Uh, you know, I'm not there, obviously, day in and day out, but that's the kind of stuff that started happening. And now all of a sudden we're bonded, Tom. Like now you know that I, you know you're going to get it tomorrow in film, but you know exactly but, what I'm going to say. But listen, you also gave me the biggest compliment a younger classman can have is you and J Ray asked me to be in a winter conditioning group. Yeah. Okay. And that, hey, yeah, Matt drills. It means a lot. Hey, that means a lot. <laughs> it means a That's lot. A, that means a lot. Well, now I think about it. Was what was Bracey sick or something that day? Because we had, oh, he was running track. No. Oh, yeah. Track. <laughs> he was running track. Up, Greg Bracey, what's up, brother? Hang on. But hey, man, hold up, though. No, 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 no. Bracey was not running track. He was my roommate. 
He was, was in the dorms. He, he was, was not he was, he was on the track team. That that man was asleep. He had track practice in the afternoon. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, I want to get back a little bit. To, uh, you said something about competitive advantage, and there was this moniker that we came up with, or I shouldn't say we, because we didn't. And I just finally found out where it came from. It was called Mizzou Made. Everybody that's a Mizzou fan, and even some that aren't, know what Mizzou Made is, and in my eyes, it gave us a humongous competitive advantage, not only on the field, but probably even more so for these young guys, for these guys who were on the team, whether they were young, whether they, you know, as they got older, uh, it provided a huge, huge benefit. And word on the street is, is that idea came from you. So everybody watching Making Mizzou right now, shout out to 360 Vodka, our host. If you want yeah. to know where Mizzou made come from, came from, it came from Dr. CEO Brad Eckware, Ekwu, before the title. Ek, talk a little bit about that. Tell us where it came from. Tell us what it originated. What what was it all about? Um, how did you come up with it? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, some of the same same uh, topics and trials that, that we've talked about for a long, long time now. Um, you know, we're just zoomed in on the football part of it. And way back when, uh, the athletic director, Mike Alden, who, you know, love and, and revere at a high level. Um, he, he put in a lot of work, but he put in these these three different core values, mm -hmm. academic integrity, competitive excellence, social responsibility. So toward the end of my career, I'm like, man, I'm looking around, looking at the facilities, looking at our training facility, at the, the Matsy facility. And I'm like, yeah, wh what's evident is the number of people and uh, resource and uh, like supplemental programming for academic integrity. You got your advisors, your tutors, your study halls, your computer labs, your high end this and that. Competitive edge, you start looking at the weight room, the coaches offices, the facilities, the fields, the training room, the dining hall. Ooh, I can still taste them, the dining hall. Um, but then we got to social responsibility <clears throat> and, you know, kind of toward my last, you know, we went through some dark times there and we had some some teammates. And then we had also had some other student athletes on other teams um, getting into trouble or getting into to binds. Uh, it was from what I deemed just some silly reasons, you know, just just playing like we can do these things in Columbia, Missouri, because we got it right. Mm -hmm. So I, I floated this idea to Mike Alden. And uh, at the time, the track coach, uh, Dr. Rick McGuire, what's up, Coach McGuire, um, <clears throat> about this idea around programming for social responsibility. And it was going to be like an edge, again, of how do we save or how do we get ahead of some of the issues that come up in a student athlete's life? And I went all the way back in the timeline, you know, all the way to day zero when you get recruited and when you show up on campus on your first day all the way through to the to the end. And we start talking about this, quote unquote, life after sports idea uh, where what are you going to do? You know, when you, when you have to leave Columbia sometime and what what will it be like when you do that? You know, are you are you ready for that transition? So I started to, to think and, and put together some topics and some programming ideas. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to this to you guys, what does it look like to live on campus? Um, <clears throat> you know, in your whole freshman experience, then at the time we were able to move off campus our second year. So you're now what, 18, 19, maybe. 
and you're in charge of your your own place right. and you know you may be living with two other or three other roommates mm -hmm. in an apartment in a real city right. <laughs> where real things happen yeah. and what and i'll ask you to one of y'all did you get any training or any kind of curriculum or how to pack it when you did that no, okay. just my parents <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and and what what would a program what would some like head start type of knowledge would you know from somebody who had just played there this was all fresh on my mind and i had lived there for four years i'm like hey this this is a little competitive thing that you got to say live in this way and not not that way make sure you pay your bills on time make sure you got money for gas and groceries all these guys got new jordans and right uh, you know tattoos and they start they start showing out that way but then they're sitting, uh, you know, we're we're sneaking to go boxes out of the dining hall because they don't have any food at the crib. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about balance, I put all these ideas together. Uh, fast forward, man, Mike Alden invited me back to campus um, after I had left. And he said, hey, I like the idea and I want you to come back uh, as my specific graduate assistant. So the title would have been special assistant to the AD. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a part of the senior management team. Um, I heard everything from top level business all the way down to me, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and I was housed over in the, uh, the academic unit. I, I talked to academics and I talked to the uh, student athlete development folks at the time and was like, hey, this programming has to happen. And so our first couple of steps were for me to pilot this stuff in a uh, they call it a student success uh, center learning strategies class. And that was for all freshman student athletes. So every freshman student athlete had to go through this class. And it was a little bitty easy class and it was a walkthrough class. But I was like, hey, man, this is going to be like basically my pulpit. This is going to be the where I start to get this info to. So I started to get some more traction and traction. I got Coach McGuire uh, involved on the mental um, conditioning side of that stuff, too. So I had him and, and his team of staff and GAs come in and get, get with us, too. Um, and then eventually it led to this idea of like this freshman student athlete intake where we're asking all these questions, uh, you know, past living history, drug and alcohol history, trauma history, uh, mental health, social health, spiritual awakening, all of that kind of stuff we started to get into and almost like rate. And, um, you know, that was about the time that, uh, you know, I started to get out of it. I think that was like my second to last or maybe last year. I got that up and going and we started to build this database, man. It was almost like a case management system. And the next couple of steps after that, they hired on their own sports psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kim Martin at the time and student athlete development started to expand a little bit. We started to put some more resource toward that. We started to have some more meaningful classes. And we, we were joking earlier about like how many of those interview or resume classes did you actually go to? Right. And if you went, were you really paying attention? Uh, you know, those those uh, times that professionals came on site, like, were you even worried about, you know, becoming a banker or car salesman or whatever? Like, no, it, right. like bro, this is season. Like, I'm, right. I'm I'm here because so and so told me to be here. Mm -hmm. I got to go here afterward. I got 30 minutes to maybe listen to this right now. But, you know, being able to teach it in a way that was engaging and that was uh, like building your portfolio. It, it was building your skills along the way. Yeah, you got to go to study hall after this. But I just gave you some nuggets that you need to hold on to. And in the meantime, you're going to be ready for the next interaction that you have. So start to build all of that, man. Uh, start to flesh out the, the course. Start to flesh out some really meaningful programming. And uh, yeah, I mean, marketing and, and Kim and all the rest of the team, they started to evolve it some more and more and more. And that's where, you know, Mizzou made program came 
uh, into into uh, existence. And, you know, it's high flying now. Like you got big time names and big time business people and stuff coming back um, to support student athletes. And I mean, I'll, I'll circle back and say, you know, nobody's life is is going to uh, nobody's going to retire in Colombia unless you just love it there and you, you got a great spot. Nine times, nine point five times out of ten, you're going to move back out somewhere else. Maybe you're back in your hometown or you'll find a, a place um, that, you know, your life has taken you. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. I would have never guessed I'd be here. But you'll have to take those same ideas and that same training and that same expertise and those reps yeah. now and apply it to where you're at now. So I don't need any of my time. I don't I don't I don't need to do tendo reps anymore. I don't need to do box squats or anything like but I need to be able to have a conversation with a professional. Absolutely. I need to be able to get my resume right. together and I need to be able to uh, have some conflict resolution and I need to be able to have a house that uh, bills are paid on time and I'm a, a dedicated citizen and like all those things that that um, is going to hit you just like that when you're 22, when you're 23. Yeah. Right. But but we're going to start right here in a safer environment where Columbia can kind of be a bubble around you and you can practice it here so that you can go anywhere in the world and be that. That's so dope uh, because I like, think about how many players we played with that were really good players. but got kicked off the team <laughs> or they never really made it to play because coaches couldn't count on them. They weren't sure what was going to happen if they were right. going to be there on Saturday or if they were going to be suspended. Stuff like that. Like and when people think of Mizzou made, they just think oh, I went to Mizzou. Oh, we, you know, we played football. I'm really tough uh, or I'm successful. So I'm Mizzou made because I went to Mizzou. Nobody really knows the premise of where it actually came from and that all that started not just with you, but it started in order to further young men's lives off the football field, not even <laughs> on the field. And I just think that's so admirable, admirable of you um, to have started and, um, you know, give you your roses while you're alive, give you your flowers while you're here, man. That's uh Kudos, man. That's dope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Mizzou should be indebted to you, the change that you've made. I know, um, you know, you talked about the impact it had on Michael Sam, for example, and him going through that process and be able to deal with the things that um, he dealt with. And I, you know, whenever you were uh, with the Chiefs, you're living in Kansas City. We spent, spent a lot Casey. of time together. Yeah, let's go. We spent a lot of time together and you, you know, I knew you were doing this, but I was so focused on uh, football. You know, I didn't know what all you're doing and how impactful this was. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, we need this, of course. You know, the question I want to know, and it's always, um, you know, what's so great about you is, like I said earlier, like, how? How are you able to inspire change to get a university to listen to? And NFL guy that just, you know, you just got cut. You're coming back. You have the athletic department, the AD coming to you saying, you know what? I want you to implement this. You know, how is your communication? And now as you're running, uh, you know, a nonprofit organization, a CEO, clearly when you're getting hired for those positions, that you've gone through this ladder, you're able to communicate your ideas very well and people listen. I remember that about you. Anytime you said something, it, it just, I felt it so heavy. I'm like, okay, like this is what I need to do. How have you, how do you go about something, especially like what you did at Mizzou, that's so big that you can break it down and, and actually make it happen? Yeah. First I'm the, you know, the, 
I'm, I'm feeling the spirit to be like, hey, first and foremost, God is is great, man. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the one thousand percent of it. I think past that, um, you know, the relationships that I built going through school and having that an existing relationship with Mike Alden, an existing relationship with Coach McGuire, with Coach Ivy, with Brian Maggard, Joe Scoggin at the time. Um, I, I, I was already kind of in discussion with them. I want to tie that to the lived experience that we had. Rook, mm-hmm. like you're right, man. Brothers, like guys in your own meeting room, guys on your team, they didn't finish with us, man. Mm-hmm. And some of it was for silly, silly stuff, silly, silly stuff. And you're just like, yo, like where, where were these programs at? Where, where were, where were the mentors? Where were the, uh, the, the people on site, um, you know, that would be able to do that. And I think the passion and like, maybe to, to your point, the calculated delivery that I had with those individuals, I, I told them that I'm, I'm devastated. I'm, I'm happy that I made mine. Uh, right. But I, I'm devastated that that, you know, my brothers didn't make it with me, man. And and even some female student athletes, they weren't able to to matriculate all the way through this process for whatever reason. And I feel like some of those could have been avoided. And, you know, um, you know, trying to get ahead of it, trying to coach for it, um, I thought was just as important as getting your grades right and having somebody, you know, the, the minute you get a failing grade. And on a quiz, on a test, how many texts or calls did you get? You know, right. And the minute you didn't show up for a workout, uh, you know, heaven forbid you miss a workout. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid you, you're three or four minutes late for a 6 a.m. workout. What do you have to do? I mean, it, it was immediate redirection, immediate redirection. But you're out in your apartment and your your music is loud and, uh, you know, your neighbor's banging on the door. Or you get a DUI or you get a credit card, something or you get a in, involved in some kind of domestic violence, something like we were finding uh, individuals who had these things. They were coming to to Columbia with these things in them. And then they were saying, well, hey, coach, man, you came to my house and sat in my living room and told my mom and dad or my, my guardian that you wanted me to come to your house and do the exact same thing there. This is who I am. You know who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. You signed up right. for that. Right. And if we can coach and continue to walk them through and be like, yes, that all of that is true. But to but to stay here, you need to do X, Y and Z right. to, to be able to be successful. while yeah. you're here. Like these are these are some of the steps and the foundational blocks that you got to get to. It, it, it was it was heartbreaking, man. We did the math and it was like 40 some student athletes in a two year span that had been either arrested or ticketed for a number of things. It was like, oh, four or five or five or six or something like that. Forty some student athletes in the city of Columbia. Not parking tickets, wow. though, right? Uh, maybe maybe I might have I might have included you in that list. I don't know. <laughs> um, it might have all 40 been mine then. But but it, I mean, that's a, I, I, I remember having a conversation with Mike, uh, Mike Alden being like, hey, are you embarrassed? Because I'm I'm scared. I told him I'm scared. I said, because it looks like they're just teeing off on us. But I said, are you embarrassed by this? Is this OK? And at that point, I mean, a lot of times you need the data, quote unquote, data to back up new ideas and, and make it happen. But it, it was great, man. It was great. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll brag real quick on programs like Men for Men and Women for Women. Uh, we saw those things in action. I, I was there on site and I watched Men for Men happen at a bar at 1230 in the, in the morning after, a, you know, after a night out. I saw it. I saw a situation that could again that could have went uh, left very badly. 
I saw it go right. I saw it work. I saw accountability amongst teammates mm -hmm. making the right decision, bear hugging a grown man, picking him up and barreling out the front door of the bar in downtown Columbia and saying, not tonight, man, yeah. because I love you that much. I know that you're not in your right mind. I am. And I don't want you to end up at home mm -hmm. in trouble, in discipline somehow. I'm going to take you out of this situation because I love you that much. And you're valuable. You're valuable to me, to the team, blah, 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 blah. Right. So those type of things are the things that, that start to uh, switch around a culture. And I'm glad I'm, I'm very hopeful that it's still there. Um, but, you know, even back to your point, Ruck, like that's that's one of the things that has to happen, too. You got to kick it together, man. Yeah. You got to love each other at that level um that that says at your worst and at your at your best like i'm still here and my love is going to be unconditional for you because of this grind yep well, that's legit man that's legit and real quick like shout out to pi man coach ivy okay right. <laughs> i mean y'all remember that first summer when they got there <laughs> well that turned the whole program on its head <clears throat> people don't know that players on the team was trying to fight the coaches on his staff <laughs> it was bad on a weekly basis on a daily basis yeah yeah <laughs> it was bad but that's what was, that was part of what it took man it was part of that that mental conditioning that yesterday is not good enough for today and for you to take that mindset after you left and say my previous four years are not good enough for these next four years mm -hmm. how are we going to change this and then take that to alden and Shout out to Mike Alden, love him, um, for him to take you seriously, you know, and let you run with it. That's uh, that's incredible, man. That's that's part of uh, being made Mizzou right there. Um, and uh, jump just to piggyback on that, you know, the one thing that I always saw about you is, you know, you always balance, right? A lot of a lot of things that you have been saying is what is ingrained for the football program, right? It is what you're supposed to do in the weight room. But for some reason, it doesn't get applied to academics. That same passion and tenacity and focus and discipline isn't applied um, on the academic side. Or it's not, like you said, not applied to the social responsibility. It's like I'm an amazing human being when it comes to these things over here for academics. Um, you did a great job of balancing that. And when we talk about making Mizzou, the one thing that as we're talking through this story that I noticed is like you went through this program, you saw all these problems, you're going to the league, you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And I don't know what you had planned for your life, but I'm sure it didn't include going back to school and, and where you are right now. No. <laughs> but, so you get, you get through this process, you get to your dream of playing the NFL and you're like, wait a minute, I can't, leave this place that I just left with knowing all these problems are there. You're like, no, let me go back. I don't know what my uh, plans were. You stopped. Let me go back and try to fix it. You put yourself on hold. And, um, and I know now, you know, so we talked frequently, you were, you know, reading to guys in the, in the prison and going back and pouring to other people you know, what, and it seems like those values that you took that Mizzou built, you applied to all aspects of your life and you it really sat in, you know, what is the role do you see as a mentor, as our responsibility to giving back and how do we go about 
doing that? What do you see? Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I think what happened again, we talked about lived experience. What happened was I started to see, to see and realize some success with with that method. Um, I started to key in and be like, hey, if I can just continue to have these little competitive advantages, I'm seeing success in it. And you're right, man. I turned around and I was like, y'all, I mean, my, the guys that I came in with, the guys that I care about, y'all are still in Colombia and you're this close. Like y'all are y'all are on this way to number one in the country, playing for big time game, you know, doing doing big, big things on the field. I will never sleep soundly knowing that, you know, this programming or these these, um, uh, you know, fail safes or whatever it is are are in place because any one of you could make a wrong turn one day or or, you know, do something like that. And like, no, man, I, I need to be able to get back to y'all and say, hey, this stuff is is here. And you watch your brothers to the right and left, you know, not necessarily make it with you. I, I had to get back, man. So, um, you know, academically speaking, I, I think there too, man, I, I go back to the, the story I told you about high school. Like all I needed was an opportunity. I wasn't going to be able to go to college if it wasn't for football. I was already researching the local community college. I was researching uh, actually the Marines, you know, because I know if I went and did that, they would turn around and pay for some school. Right. And so, I mean, th those were my options, man. So I felt like when I got there, I was lucky enough to get in and quick brag, man. I, I graduated in three and a half years Ooh. with a business finance degree, three point something GPA. Ooh. Oh, but but again, it would it was all it was all opportunity. We had to be there in the summers. So I was like, if I'm going to be here in the summer, be in summer school, I'm not just going to take the three hours that they make you take. I'm like, man, give me six hours. Give me nine hours. Like, let me get ahead. Let me let me make sure while I got it, while I got it here, while I got it here, uh, I take advantage of this because I'm going to mess around and make up a whole semester in the meantime. And that last semester, I didn't have to, man, I graduated. I was graduated before we played uh, in the Sun Bowl. Mm. Like, I, 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 was a, I was a college grad playing in that. So knowing that when Mike Alden came back and was like, hey, we want you to do this and we want you to be a GA, that kind of kicked right back in was like, hey, I, now I get a master's. I get an opportunity to do this with a master's degree. Bruh, rewind. I'm, I'm from Arlington, Texas, dog. I'm, I'm from the middle. My mom and, and the network I had behind me did a fantastic job of raising my sister and, and my brother. Um, but I wasn't supposed to make that, man. I wasn't supposed to be there. People where I'm from, we don't have master's degrees in education. Right. And then at the end of master's degree and, and I sped through that <clears throat> and I was like, hey, I got to get it in while 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 the deal's on the table. I got it. <laughs> it's, it's a money grab. Right. So we get to the end and they're like, hey, we like what you're doing. you got a lot of a lot of positive momentum here. We want you to stay here and keep doing that. And I, I talked to counselors. I mean, my counsel, my mentors, including Coach Ivy. He was like, hey, Dr. Eck. I was like, man, get out of here. Stop that. He was like, no, you're done. You have the bargaining chip. They want you to stay here. He said, all I'm going to say to you is Dr. Eck. And then he left the He left the room, man. A couple more conversations, some more prayer. And literally like two more years. I was already in school mode. It was like nine more classes total. And they were going to pay for it. And they bumped my stipend up. And you ain't had no kids and zero kids. Staying in the same spot, eating at the same, eating at Gerbs. Shout out to Gerbs. <laughs> and then now, now, you know, now elongate that timeline. I, I just ran a, a whole, I ran all the four years right back and ran out of there with a master's and doctor degree 
And I, I turned, uh, I graduated that December and I had just turned, I think, I'm at 12. I had just turned 27 that October. Hmm. I was 27 with a PhD, young black man in America with a PhD, nose clean, no kids, no, no, you know, <laughs> I was out here. I was yeah. out and it was all because opportunity. It was all because somebody saw you. So Tommy, to answer your question, I, I can tell you my story. It's not because I made it. It's not because I got the secret. It's because I look for those little edges. I look for the little things to say, you know what? This is important. I use the network around me. Y'all think my brain is any better than y'all's? No. Do you think my strategy is any better than yours? No, not necessarily. Did I have a team around me? Did I utilize them? Did I did I rely upon them to to walk us through and, and have? Yes, man, that's the premise for the Mizzou May program. I think that's the premise for for y'all show right here, too, is to kind of coach people up, man. Yeah. You know, provide that insider look, have that mentorship to where like, hey, we are doing it and you can do. I came from the same uh, uh, neighborhoods that you came from. We had the same experiences. And, you know, it, it's just about deciding ahead of time that when I get there, I'm going to be successful, man. So so build your foundation now so that when you get there, you're going to be strong. That's what's up. Um, before we let you get out of here, man, we appreciate your time. But before we let you get out, talk to us a little bit about the reading in the prisons. Yeah, sure, man. I uh, so many people don't know, and I'm I'm happy to share with you now because my my own personal journey and, and therapy journey is is great now, man. I I'm a a child of an incarcerated father, okay. so my dad went to federal prison uh, right after my uh, right before after my seventh birthday, and then he wasn't released until I turned. It was my I was thirty when he, when he got uh, released. It was a couple of months after my oldest uh, son was born, so summer of 2015. So. Okay. Anyway, um, the the really, really long story short of of how the passion is, is I started uh, just on a whim. I met a guy who knew the chaplain at a local county jail. And he was like, hey, I just want you to meet the guy. You're kind of in the same space and they're looking for volunteers. I was like, man, who, what jail am I going into? I don't have time to do this. I don't know them. But in the back of my mind, man, I had I had started visiting my father in federal prison when I was about 15. And I was doing that um, probably, yeah, I mean, basically until he got out. So I was comfortable with the setting and I'm comfortable kind of with like uh, at least prison yard, like politics and all. So I felt like I could that, that biggest fear of like going behind the bars and doing one of these and like with somebody behind me who's got the shank and all that kind of stuff. I feel like I can I feel like I can I can maneuver through that. So anyway, met the guy, met the chaplain and he was like, hey, come come follow me to a class real quick. And he was doing a class and he was like, hey, Brad, do you have anything to, to add to that? So I stood up, you know, my teacher voice and, and made a point and made a, a lived experience point. And then as much Bible as I knew, uh, I tried to connect <laughs> to a, a Bible verse and then sat back down. He was like, all right, cool. You know, call me, uh, call me in a couple of days and let me know if you want to do this. I called him on the drive home and was like, I'm being called to this. I got to do this. And fast forward a couple of years, um, the passion basically was like, hey, I kept going in there and seeing fathers and mm -hmm. they kept telling me about their kids and they kept asking me to go visit their kids. And they kept asking, like, what high schools do you work in? What you know, can, can you get to this place or not? Right. And I was like, man, I, I flash back all the way to the idea of fatherhood that I and my sister and brother received from a father that was behind bars. Right. So um, I made a whole book, a similar similar thing to Mizume, man. I, I got all these topics together and was like, basically, this is what I wish I would have known. 
about this topic, this topic, this topic. And you can still tell me about it, but write me a letter. Nowadays, they got emails, they got video phone calls. You can do in-person visits, stuff like that. But my experience was my dad wrote me letter after letter after letter after letter. And that's my uh, represent, like that's a representation of fatherhood to me. Sure. Um, so I would go in there and be like, hey, today's lesson is over anger management. Tomorrow's let, you know, the next one is money management. The next one is uh, how do you treat your wife? You know, because it matters to the kids. How do you get um, uh, how do you deal with bad news? How, you know, all all of the I probably have 12, um, you know, 15 different topics. And the format is the name of the book is Son to Father. And it's so S.O.N. number two father. And so the whole premise is um, me as a son of an incarcerated father these are my letters to my father. So at the end of every lesson is a letter that I hand wrote and was like, hey, um, this is what I wish I would have known back then. Can you tell me more about what it is to court uh, court a spouse, to get married to a spouse? How, how was the first year? How, OK, even if you didn't do it right or even if you're not on the right track now, like, can you tell me some of those things? Because I need to learn from your mistakes and the good things. But can you tell me? And so the whole premise of the, the ministry is to get in there and encourage those fathers to reach out to their kids if they're able to. If they're not able to, I still encourage them to write them and hold them, because perhaps at one time in the child's uh, sure. future, they, they'll want those and they'll want to know that back in 2013, my dad was thinking about me and trying to invest in me. So son to father. But then uh, while we're talking, while I'm giving them the lesson, um, we're hoping to hear from the, the son of man. We're, we're hoping to hear from from God, Amen. Jesus, from, from the from the Bible, so, you know, heavenly, heavenly son to earthly fathers. So Amen. we're trying to receive that so that then earthly fathers can go speak to specifically earthly sons or earthly kids um, about any and all of these topics. And every one of the topics that you can think of, there's a representation in the Bible about it. You can learn some kind of theme about it. So yeah, man, I got, I got the book up and rolling. Um, it's made it as far as, uh, our, our County and some of the state. Um, and what, what's really, really cool, man. And then I'll, I'll pass it is, uh, some of the guys that are in County, they're only here for a little while, Right. But say, hey, look, man, I'm I'm getting rolled up or uh, I'm getting sent off to state or, or wherever it is. So they may they may go to a state prison in Nebraska. Uh, I got a guy right now out in Colorado that he wanted he wanted a copy of the book. So I just printed off like paper copies for him. And um, since he's been in Colorado, he said, hey, man, I shared this material with a couple guys out here. Can you send me five more copies? Yeah, that's dope. And so now it's like disseminating, it's distributing and guys all over the country, I'm hoping are like, I mean, literally writing letters uh, to their kids just to be like, hey, man, I still see you. I still love you. And I, you know, both of you have have fathers that have been instrumental in your lives. You know, that that kind of presence, that kind of uh, mentorship, whether you're learning from their good, bad or ugly decisions, right. absolutely it's still meaningful for you. It's a you lesson mean, in all of it. But thinking about somebody absolutely. who doesn't have any of that at all. That, again, breaks my heart and be like, no, nah, man, somebody's got to have that to your point about mentorship. If, if it's if your earthly father is able to do that and they're guided from a uh, from a higher being, from from God, from the Bible, and, and they're able to shoot that out to you. You know, I, I, I'll keep doing that until I can't walk anymore. And then they're going to have to wheel me in there. That's awesome. Man, man, you have done uh, such a great job of uh, putting others first and. Um, and you see how 
God blesses you when you do that, man. Proud of you, bro. Honored to know you, folks. There you have it. Making Mizzou, sponsored by 360 Vodka, with special guest, CEO, and Dr. Brad Eckwood. Eckwood. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Eck, man. Many blessings. Hopefully, you'll come back and see us again. I'm Martin Rucker, Tommy Saunders, 360 Vodka. This is Making Mizzou. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.